1: go, hour number two, Jeff Cameron, show 93.3, Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Good to have you on board. Thanks for being here. Missed earlier today, if you did. Florida State got some good news, and that is that uh, Alabama, former Alabama wide receiver Malik Benson, has joined the fold. We're talking about the same Malik Benson who was the JUCO uh, number one prospect in the country before going to Bama. He now joins Florida State. They've had success here now with him and Jalen Brown, who came over from LSU at the wide receiver position. Florida State's going to have a lot of speed and a lot of talent, and that is a loaded group. Now, you're like me. You're the guy saying, okay, well, that, that's cool, but what are we going to do along the offensive and defensive lines or in particular at linebacker? Big question marks surrounding the linebacker situation right now. Maybe a little less so. On the defensive line, remember you already did bring in Marvin Jones Jr. You got a good shot at bringing this defensive end in from West Virginia. It's a good buzz around him. You did sign Grady Kelly from Colorado State on the defensive line. That's not a a huge signing. That's not an elite signing, but it is a signing that I think is comparable to what you lost there with Malcolm Ray. So you're able to replace that. Uh, we know, obviously, Florida State, if we're looking at the totality of the portal so far, they did bring in one of the best two quarterback uh, options that they could bring in as a bridge. Uh, you know, we explored the conversation last week, Tom, a little bit. Uh, I, I I thought at the time that they brought in DJ that, you know, I, I might have been content with going a different route. Um, I might have thought that Brock could be the starter there in a season that's going to see you go somewhere between eight and four or ten and two you know type season and let him take his lumps um but you would have had to sign a quarterback somewhere along the way though I mean I know Croman Hawk is coming in but your depth chart is seriously compromised with Tate Rodemaker going to Southern Miss so there's that you know um at the end of the day, they didn't go that route. That's fine. I'll trust them on that. It's a perfectly good bridge, maybe even a plus, plus bridge uh, to to go with DJ. And if he plays well, uh, you'll be happy you did it. You are big. You're going big on the offensive line, big. It looks like you're trying to bring in another couple of offensive linemen. Let's hope they can sign Ferguson. Don't know if that's going to happen or not. Maybe they signed the Leonard kid out of UF. He's a big guard as well. You've already got a lot of size there. They've re-signed some guys there. Maybe you plan on running DJ quite a bit. I would. He's a big dude. I'd run some all kinds of, uh, I mean, if you're going to run some size at people, let's run downhill.
2: Yeah, I find it interesting that they said that, you know, I forget which visit um, interview it was, but the kid told the media that it was communicated to him that, that both guard jobs were open. You know, both starting guard jobs were open. Now, you could approach that one of two ways. You could say that all jobs are up for grabs, always. You know, that's that's one way a coaching staff would couch something. But he didn't say that. It's said both starting guard jobs are open. When you consider all that Florida State is bringing back and retaining from last year, including guys like Darius Washington, which to me that means that they like him at tackle, but Byers and Keandre Jones and some of the younger kids that they have here, to say nothing of Maury Smith, who's going to be again, you pencil him in as a a starting center unless something else happens. But they're bringing back a lot of guys. Maybe Robert Scott is converted to interior. Who knows? But to say that both guard jobs are still open, I find that fascinating. So that that tells me, much like what they're doing with the wide receiver room, that they're saying it's not good enough, that what we saw last year isn't good enough, that what we have on campus right now is not good enough. And it seems like beef is the way that they want to approach this thing. They want to bully ball. I'm all for that. I'd say let's go bully ball because DJ is a guy that has a a high floor, but I don't know how high that the ceiling is consistently. He doesn't turn the ball over very much, but there are spells where he will miss wide open dudes. And I think they're not trying to rely on that. They're trying to use the cannon for the arm and the size of the body of the quarterback. And then they're just trying to maul you up front. I applaud them for it. It'll be interesting to see if they can actually do that. Come the season in August.
1: Well, you have a lot of speed now. I mean, with you bring in what you've brought in, the kid from Indiana is a—I know he's a special teams guy. We'll see how they use him. Um, you've got Jalen Brown. You've got Jalen Lucas. Uh, so you—you you, know—you're bringing in some guys that—and uh, now Benson, you got—you got you to be excited about all that. That's fine. I, I would like to see us win more of these battles for defensive and offensive linemen. Obviously, linebacker. I've—you know—obviously, I've talked about this at length. It's getting old. People are tired of hearing me say it, but. All you got to do is look at our depth chart and see that this is a problematic area. Uh, but you've brought in, you know, a running back slash kick returner, punt returner. You've brought in a wide receiver. You brought in another wide receiver. You brought in a quarterback. You brought in a very good defensive back. Now, I will say bringing Marvin Jones Jr. in is potentially a very big deal. So he is a defensive line. You got a defensive end there. If you bring in the kid from West Virginia, okay, you brought in two defensive ends at that point. Uh, good. Going to need gonna need another Offensive and defensive line are gonna. At some point, I think you need two linebackers, and I just don't know. You know, that's the other thing is some of the guys that are avail- available in the portal, you might just not be willing to spend on. You might say, well, that's not appreciably better than what we got. We'll wait and we'll see what happens from here. It's not the only time that you can go out and get somebody. We know you can right, get somebody but- in the spring.
2: There are two main entry times, but then if somebody graduates as well, they, they, the rules don't apply to them. They can kind of just jump in whenever they want as a graduate transfer. So you do have all those opportunities. And this is again where I would rather spend some of the resources on multi year guys. Like I get it, Malik Benson has one year of eligibility remaining, and that's fine. He seems to fit what we're doing with DJU quite nicely. But most of these guys that are being brought in, at least so far, look like multi year solutions to the problem. And I saw last night in in the summary he did on on the boards, Michael Langston compared Lolohea, the offense or the defensive end from Oregon State, to a Keir Thomas type player. Yeah. Which I like because when you're thinking about what Patrick Payton is, what Marvin Jones Jr. could be, you need to have somebody else who plays a bit of a different role on the edge. You got to have your Keir Thomas to your Jermaine Johnson. And I like that that's how they're constructing this thing. If you are able to retain, retain, and and these guys aren't in the portal right now, but Farmer and Jackson, and let's say that you get those two things done, and that's the basis of your interior, you've got good pass rush types in Peyton and Jones Jr. to go along with a couple of maybe edge-setting type, run-stuffing type defensive ends. Okay, your front four is in a good place to be physical, just like your offensive line is in a good place to be physical if you had a couple of players. Linebacker is the sore thumb. And it's gonna be really, really sore until you bring in multiple options, well, and they don't even have to all work. But you gotta bring in some options.
1: Yeah, and I'm not in love with the Hill Green kid, and I don't uh, the Stefan Thompson kid. You know, I mean, you're gonna to have to bring in some options. You're right. Let's just put it that way. You're gonna to have to bring in some options. I, I hope that there are some lessons being learned here. I don't believe that as you go through this process, everything has to be a referendum. That's what ends up happening while you're in the midst of changing what you are and what the expectations are. You see this all the time. And you don't get a kid. It is frustrating. It's fair to point out that you're lacking in an area. I have pointed out repeatedly that they're lacking at linebacker, both in skill, recruiting. I think the coach has done a poor job of that position group. It doesn't always have to be that extreme. Some things are just not necessarily referendums on what the career is going to be for somebody or the prospects of success for four and five years down the road. They could just be in-the-moment disappointments and lessons to be learned. And we're, we're always monitoring this very closely, and Mike has to be as well. I know that there was a negative reaction to the extension of the coaches, right. uh, which as we were entering the weekend, right, that was the news that came out, was that the entire coaching staff – Got extensions and raises, and there was a lot of pushback about that. Uh, There was a whole bunch of pushback on that. A lot of people thought, hmm, I don't know that I would have done that. And then everybody had their guy that they didn't want to see extended. I think everybody knows who I would have chose not to extend. But the point would be it doesn't mean that they're doomed to fail two, three, four years from now. It does mean that maybe they made a decision that they're going to regret. And you can first guess that. That's part of the fun of sport. We do that all the time. We say somebody is a good or not good player. And then we wait and see two, three, four, five years down the road whether or not that's true. We know oftentimes you need that much time to to do the evaluation. It'd be hard to to tell me that you don't think Mike Norvell's a good coach. You could say, I think Mike is going to learn the hard way that he needs to surround himself with stone-cold killer recruiters, and he's not doing that right now, and thus the program will top out at a certain level. You can say that. That can be an opinion you have, and we can have that conversation. We can have that discussion. I may or may not agree with you on that. I might agree with you on aspects of that, but not in totality. But it'd be hard, you'd be hard-pressed to argue whether or not Mike's a good coach. They just went 13-0. He turned this thing around in a heartbeat it's a minor miracle we're having the conversations we're having right now with Florida state being where they're at. So there's no denying that he's a very good coach, but he may learn a valuable lesson about not holding on to certain guys who are not carrying their weight in recruiting.
2: We'll see. It becomes interesting. And, and I know that his answer before as it pertains to the portal versus the high school ranks are that it's year to year. And I think that's, that's true. I mean, the market's different every year. We talked about this as well last week, that it's almost like a draft class. Like, you know, if you're a point guard in basketball and it's a thin year for point guards, you may not be ready, but you're going to get drafted higher. So, you know what? Declare. Go. Go. Or it could be another year where you're very, very good. you got one year of eligibility, but there are nine point guards that are about the same and you're one of them. How about you stick around for another year at college, (laughs) refine your game, do something else, and then go next year, you're going to make a little bit more money. So it's, it's hard to pin down and say that you should always have this percentage of high school players and that percentage of portal players, and that is the proper balance forevermore. It doesn't work like that, but I'd be interested to hear his approach as it pertains to the front seven because the front seven of the defense has been the thing that's lacking in the high school ranks. They've been able to patchwork around it, develop some players, retain some players, but it hasn't been the windfall or the change overnight like you've seen with wide receiver. That is the success story if you're going to rebuff that they should have If somebody says they shouldn't extend everybody, well, Ron Dugans is a great example of somebody who has flipped their reputation in two years' time from somebody who has got to go to somebody that you're happy stuck around. But we have not seen that night and day transition yet from the linebacker position and maybe defensive interior a little bit. And you've been lucky, and, you, and you've been good at landing some really good players. But that wide receiver flip, the reputation flip that all started with Micah Pittman and Winston Wright and Johnny Wilson followed by a couple of recruiting classes hasn't happened at linebacker yet. You've gotten Blake Nicholson, and that's about it.
1: Yeah, and we don't know. We'll see what Blake becomes. Right now, he's just a guy that's undersized, and you like the potential for him to at least one aspect of his game is that he can cover. But you don't love him down to down as a complete linebacker just yet, so you don't know. And everybody else, you know, we'll see. Um, Got a little potential there, but not much it's it's you you've got to get better there, deeper there, more talented there and you're not seeing it. You're not seeing it in traditional recruiting and you're not seeing it in the portal and that's what's led to the criticism of Randy and I think it's a fair criticism. And you know, now my ultimately listen, most kids, I will say this. Most kids in some way or another are actually committing to the head coach. That that's when you're looking big picture at recruiting. Yes, there are guys with reputations as being elite recruiters as a position coach, right? Linebacker, running back coach, tight end, whatever it might be. But ultimately, this all starts with your head coach. I think you need to have a dynamic head coach who kind of serves as uh, the focal point of what's attractive about your program. Uh, The head coach has to be the representation of that. So Mike right now, and this is what I worry about for Mike, has to do – a lot. Mike is the primary play caller. Mike is the number one recruiter on the staff. Mike is the guy who puts together the game plan with Alex, right? He Mike is really everything for this program. Now, he's young. He's a young coach, and you get that. You get 41, 42, 43, 44-year-olds able to do that, to carry uh, the day in every aspect of what it means, right? So you You're the front man for when the kids get here, shaking hands, kissing babies, giving speeches, going on the road, talking to alumni and boosters. You're doing all of those things. You're the guy on game day. You're working the officials. You're calling the plays. You're the guy who comes up with the overall offensive scheme. You're the guy who puts the... Uh, The building blocks and the bedrock of what your program is about. At some point, you need somebody to help out with aspects of what what it is you do on a day to day basis. Right. And I think primarily as you get older, where that happens is it's got to be in recruiting. It's got to be some other guy on your staff needs to be an elite recruiter. Now, you could still be the closer the way Bobby was. But as you get older, man, all that traveling and doing those kinds of things in the world of recruiting is very difficult to sustain.
2: The other thing is it's exponential, Mm -hmm. the weight that's been put on these coaches. I mean, again, we feel it runoff-wise as fans consuming all the media in December that we do. You know, this was our break as fans. You'd say, all right, bowl practices, anybody get hurt? No? Good. We'll see you on the 26th in Orlando at 2 p.m. Got it, 2 p.m., 26th. Now, December is crazy, and as media members, we feel it even more because there's no real set schedule. It can happen at any point, bleeds over into January for portal visits and all that kind of stuff. But for coaches, especially the head coach, with considerations for NIL, re-recruiting your own roster at all times, because now for this brief period in the history of college football, there are unlimited transfers. I mean, my God, you're talking about wear and tear that's happening, it's like being on a smooth highway versus one with potholes everywhere. You're, that's where we are right now, potholes everywhere, the car, the engine, the wear and tear, <laughs> you do need a lot of people that you can count on. That's why, unfortunately, you know, uh, Jimbo talked about this forever, organization, you got to have more and more people. They do need more and more people constantly to put up with this ridiculous calendar that they have to navigate.
1: Kendrick uh, Blackshire has entered the NCAA transfer portal. Uh, that, according to Pete Nakos, and he is a former four-star recruit from the 2021 class. He is a linebacker out of Alabama. Tom Lang, just thought okay. I'd just thought I'd make mention
2: that there's a linebacker
1: can- from Alabama that is available.
2: You think he's worth uh, giving a shot here? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just I figured I'd put it simply, I think you know, I'm going to make a run at it. Yeah, (laughs) it would be like having a a hot, fresh out of uh, the back of the house, Zaxby's chicken finger in front of you Mm. with some delectable sauce of your favorite, whatever your favorite is. They got so many of them. And you're saying you think that would be tasty. You think that would be worth biting into?
1: I don't know that you are aware of this because the answer to that is, of course, uh, a resounding yes. But did you know that the Zaxby's Asian sensation salad is back? Did you see what I did there? How about that? There it is. Like a true company man. It is a salad at Zaxby's. And it's got the fried chicken and the Asian slaw. You combine those ingredients together and you really, it's, it's delicious. I have had one. I'm telling you now, it's outstanding. It beats the hell out of a regular salad. Go get you one of these salads from
2: Zaxby's. That's the style of slaw that defeats all slaw. This The standard soupy mayo-based, no good. Asian-style well, slaw is the way to be.
1: I, I like both, Tom. Uh, I, you, you're not going to slander mayo-based products, but that's okay. At least Zaxby's provided an alternative for you and a delicious one at that, buddy.
2: I would never slander mayo-based products. I would just tell the truth about it. (laughs) Slander implies I'm lying. You are.
1: You're lying. I think more mayonnaise, not less mayonnaise, is a standard we should all aspire to. But I understand. Not everybody concurs with that. And that's why Zaxby's got the Asian sensation salad. (laughs) You nailed that. I did. It's the Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio. or Chan TV. Chaffel, warchant.com going to join us here in a moment uh, about five minutes from now three minutes from now somewhere in that neighborhood i saw in the chat during the break there that uh, dave wrote that he was lamenting over old restaurants he's missed the fist-sized muffins at the mill bakery and eatery dave you know you still get those you can still get those big old muffins over at my man, uh, those and It's just like that blue cheese that we all... Remember Buffalo Wings and Rings or whatever that was back in the day? Tom, this is before you got here, buddy.
2: Where was the mill again?
1: Appalachian Parkway. Well, there are two mills. There was one on Monroe. Okay. And then there was one on Appalachian Parkway. I used to go out to the one on Appalachie Parkway on Fridays because they had a deck and they would have reggae uh, on Fridays. And if you were feeling it, man, it was nothing better than getting over there on a Friday afternoon and having that reggae hit while you got you a cold one.
2: Mm. That was, um, yeah, what became La Fiesta, right?
1: Correct. That was, that's exactly right. That's what that was. Yeah.
2: What a sad day it was that La Fiesta closed. It wasn't even a COVID that got it. It was just they decided to retire, the family that owned it. That Mm was quite the restaurant.
1: Well, and I miss Bagel Heads too. They giant ass bagels were so delicious and uh our guy was awesome over there. Remember that? And then he retired basically right in the prime of his career kicking ass over there at Bagel Heads. Yeah, I missed that as well. Yeah. Um
2: you had your own bagel. That's, I you know. I
1: did. I, there was uh, was it the Campster? What was it?
2: I think it was the Campster.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: It, it was, was good artwork too. It was delicious.
1: I remember it like it was yesterday. Yeah. I I I yeah, I miss that. And I miss uh the wings and rings because uh, I would sit on the deck there and hours upon hours, they always had these ridiculous deals. I look back on it now, it was like $3 pitchers. Really? We were all just slamming $3 pitchers. Life was simple back then, buddy.
2: Man. Hey, inflation didn't catch us too much in the early 2000s. It was $4 pitchers of poor Paul's on us on a Sunday night. And they had the pizza, the free pizza. Mm. Now, where was the big chicken? Where was that? The big chicken. Didn't you have a place called the big chicken? Not that I recall. No
1: roosters. No? We had roosters, which got burnt to the ground for insurance purposes. Allegedly.
2: Was that the place with the giant <laughs> thing out front? Like the, I don't it, remember it, anything called the
1: big chicken, but you might've been thinking about roosters. That was way back in the day. I'll probably okay. get in trouble for that. Uh, I believe Ira fell is waiting patiently. So let's get to him right now. Hello, Ira. How the hell are you, buddy?
3: I'm great. Jeff. How are you?
1: I'm well. Um, Tell me, you laughed aloud when you saw Greg Sankey's ridiculous ass comments. I mean, my guy. My guy is right. Are you kidding? And the problem is,
3: and you know, I was thinking about this as I was reading it and tweeting it. It's like nobody in the national media is ever going to check the guy because ESPN's in bed with him, and nobody else is going to challenge him. So it's just like, I mean, it's one thing. It was cool that like Booger McFarland and. RG three and some of those people criticized the the playoff committee's decision, but nobody's gonna ever come after him except like little well, you know, little small time nobodies in Tallahassee. Mm-hmm. But it's just uh it's ridiculous, man. It's it's and I just wish some I wish there was an independent national voice, but I don't know if there is one.
1: Well, it was interesting. I thought, man, if I'm Heather Dennich, I don't want to put my name on that, but then again. Yeah, just shoveling his crap. Yeah, I mean that's that's got to be a tough one. You're like, really? I got to do this. Then again, I've got the easiest job on earth. Well, <laughs> I've got the greatest job that anybody in sports media has ever had. I monitor the college football playoff committee. I say what they need me to say, and then I go home. It's not a right. bad gig. So <laughs> she was like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll shovel whatever Greg needs me to shovel."
3: I think the uh, and I guess last week he said that. uh you know, he wasn't politicking on game day. Nah. And it's like, what are you talking about? You went on game day. You had your whole Sesame Street thing written. Somebody wrote that for him. He, You know, he went on there for 10, 15 minutes. To, I mean, it, it's just the whole thing. I'd almost appreciate it more if Greg Sankey would just say, you know what? Our conference is better. Screw all of you.
1: Well, I, that's what I said. I don't begrudge Greg Sankey for going on ESPN. They allowed him to do it to go on ESPN and stump for his conference. That's his job. He's the SEC commissioner. It would have been nice to see the ACC commissioner, Jim Phillips, anywhere during this whole charade. But instead, we couldn't find him. He was persona non grata. Nobody knew where the hell the commissioner was while FSU was getting boned. And so here we sat. Meanwhile, the SEC commissioner, at the mere threat that quite possibly they won't get a team in, did a two-hour speech on game day. I mean, in fact, that makes him really good at his job. But this, but this jumps the shark to pretend that they had a written uh, retort to the committee excluding the SEC teams by saying merely that they were disappointed and they disagreed, uh, but that, hey – this is what they were tasked to do, we'll move along.
3: And, and he's like, Oh, we've had numerous teams finish at number five. Yeah, yeah but you also had two other teams in the top four. Yeah, that's what I said earlier.
1: Uh, the, you know, my favorite line, uh, my favorite line is these are volunteers. Oh, how about that? <laughs> yeah. It's like it's a bake sale. Like we just hey, don't yell don't let us yell
3: at the lady taking tickets at the bake sale. Yeah. These are volunteering.
1: This is the worst banana bread I've ever had, Susan. Now get your ladies to get it together.
3: I didn't make it. I didn't make it. I just, I'm just volunteering.
1: That was, that was Joni that made that. I don't know. I don't don't know. come to me next year about buying a Boston butt because this is pure <laughs> ass that we've got out here every year that I'm paying $40 for. I didn't make the Boston butt. Uh, we just,
3: we, we pay a guy. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, uh, yeah, they're all volunteers, and it's just oh my, it's just infuriating. And again, it's just you either think we're all complete idiots, yes, he probably does, or you just think nobody could. You know, it's just nobody's going to say anything. It's just I just wish somebody with a with a, a a big microphone would uh you know with a bigger platform than you and me would challenge some of this nonsense.
1: The morning I'm reading the direct, we'll move on, but the quote is, the morning of selection, we had prepared a statement that said we have a different point of view, but we're not going to point fingers and cast blame at this time.
3: We would never do that.
1: No. We're going to focus on how do we improve and prepare for the 12-team playoff. <laughs> I love, that's so rich. I love the idea of the folks, the measured, oh. Well-reasoned, mild-mannered fans in the SEC accepting this sort of thing and going, you know, how do we get better, guys? How do we get better, everybody? I'm not mad. It seems a little off to me. But you know what? This is what they were tasked with doing. How do we get better so that we cannot be denied again in the 12-team play? I'm sure that's what they would have done.
3: Yeah, we have one team here who had won you know 30 straight games <laughs> two
1: straight national titles. Yeah. Just left them out.
3: And then we had two other teams. One, you just left them out. But
1: that's, guys, we understand. It's a tough job. What's it's with the bad. vitriol? What's with the vitriol, guys? <laughs> There's always going to be disagreement, but it should never sink to this level where the committee, volunteers, I mind you, uh, are yeah. being criticized to this extent. That's a oh, What led Sankey to do that, by the way? I mean, it, he already won. He got his team in. What was it?
3: The... I mean, how about... I don't know. I mean, you look at the – you know how many times has Herb Street tried to come back and make his apologies and Reese, and Reese Davis and all these? They're, they, I think they realize that everybody knows what just happened, and they're trying to fix it. They're trying to make it look better than it was.
1: You can't fix it. You can't fix it. No, it's unfixable. You can't do it again. <laughs> and they knew it. You're right. I think they did know it. Hey, did the basketball team figure something out here? I, I've been critical, obviously, but they they did get a win over the weekend again, and that's back to back now to start the ACC here. You think they've got something figured out?
3: Well, I mean, you know, definitely getting
1: uh,
3: you know Primo Spears helps. Uh, he's another guy. He didn't have a great game the other day, mm-hmm. but he did? But he is athletic and he can defend, and uh, you know, he gives you another body that you can throw at teams and kind of get back to what they like to do, which is use their depth and their bench. Um, and then also Jalen Ganey's becoming becoming – now I'm just mad that we didn't get to see Jalen Ganey healthy.
1: Needed him. yeah.
3: Even where it is now, it's it's impressive, man. He will battle on the boards. He's a force inside. And, uh, and so if he continues to get better and gets in better shape, those are two huge pieces. And now, again, I think you're seeing Boba Miller and Chandler Jackson, some of these other guys who were kind of like lost because they didn't have Enough people around them now are starting to play better as well. So, I mean, I think they're a decent team now, and I think you know, they're. I think where they are right now is they can beat other kind of average, average, yeah, at home. home. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they're going to be able to beat them on the road. They're about to go on the road here in a a few days, and we'll see how that goes. But, but yeah, man, it's it's to me this is a much. I mean, it's you can't even compare it to these last two seasons. Uh, this is actually a decent college basketball.
1: I got a question for you. You find it interesting that Florida State is taking an approach. I'm talking about football now. Final thing here, I, I think it's interesting, and it's a fun discussion. Clearly, Mike feels like they're not fast enough, and they're going out and getting burners. And I know you just saw it earlier today with Benson, but you saw it with Jalen Brown, and you saw it with Jalen Lucas. Now, look, we can have the debates about whether or not they're going to get some more interior linemen or linebackers, whatever. That's a different talking point. But clearly, they wanted to go out – if I'm looking big picture here, they wanted to go out and find a lot more speed.
3: Yeah, I think they do. I think it's, there's probably two reasons for it, and I haven't spoken to Mike Norvell, but this is just you know, my series is, number one, you've got a big, strong-arm quarterback, D.J. Uyungle, um, who I think can stretch the field with his arm. And then number two, that was a weakness of this team last year. You know, yeah. once, especially once, um, you know, Keon Coleman was a little bit banged up. Yep, John, Johnny Wilson's never been a burner. Uh, you know, you just didn't, and then Destin Hill got hurt, Kyke Williams got hurt, you just didn't have a lot of guys that could stretch the field, and I think that made life harder, you know, people pointed the offense wasn't real explosive, you know, in the second probably the third, last third of the season well, part of that was a lot of the Jaheim Bell, all those guys were banged up and and they weren't elite speed guys in the first place, so I think it just became very easy to take away the back shoulder throws, a lot of the underneath stuff, and it made life difficult, so I think you're you're probably seeing a response to that as well, but um, you know, Benson's is a real intriguing one because he obviously didn't do a ton at Alabama, but that was not a great passing attack. Nope. And his numbers in junior college are pretty incredible. So uh, you like to think you're going to get something closer to that than what he did at Alabama.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting. I, I just thought that it's pretty clear to see the emphasis here that they wanted to get speed, speed, and some more speed. Always appreciate it, brother. I'll talk to you later. Thanks, Jeff. See you, Yep, take care. That's Ira Chiffel, Warchant.com, of course. Go read all the good stuff from Ira on Warchant.com. Jeff Cameron, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, Warchant TV. Alright, get started on your New Year's resolutions with my friends at Factor. I actually use Factor at the house. I'll tell you about that in a second. You're all ready for the New Year. You want to eat healthy and this is ready-to-eat meal delivery that takes the stress out of meal planning, sets you up for success in the New Year. And I can attest to this. I... Not real consistent when it comes to cooking, and we're busy in the household here, so you need something that's nutritious. You need something that doesn't have you running around frantic trying to prepare lunch or dinner, and you want to know that what you're getting is quality, and you get that with Factor, and you know you can get anything from a special occasion meal uh, where you, know, you can get seafood or meats that you like, whatever it might be. They have vegetarian as well. You stress less over your meal times, knowing that you can fall back to a Factor meal prepared with vegetables, with the meats that you like. Again, they do a great job of making life really easy during a busy schedule. They've got offerings like Protein Plus and Keto. Stay on track that way. Factor has everything I need for a week of flavorful, nutritious eats. In addition to -to ready-to-eat meals, they have cold-pressed juices, smoothies, energy bites, protein, veggie sides, all that good stuff. Head to Factormeals.com slash Cameron50. Use code Cameron50 to get 50% off. That's code Cameron50 on Factormeals.com slash Cameron50 to get 50% off.
0: The Jeff Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3.
1: Tom, big chickens in Atlanta. Somebody said on here that it was uh, big chickens in it, in Atlanta. Uh, let's hope we get the portal kid from Alabama at linebacker. We'll see. I'm sure that's going to be a, I don't know, outrageous uh, asking price, don't you think?
2: I would imagine so. I caught the tail end of what you were saying as the sound was restored.
1: Oh, I said big chickens in Atlanta, by the way. And then mm. I was telling you that the Alabama linebacker is probably going to be an outrageous
2: uh, cost.
1: But, you know, not prohibitive, but I'm just curious.
2: Well, at some point, like if you've got representation that knows what they're doing, and you see that Florida State has a need, you run up the price <laughs> because you know they are a potential customer who needs solutions desperately. So I, I would ask for a little bit more from Florida State than uh, you know maybe some other Power Five schools that have options and they're too deep. Are you going to watch the Invitational? Maybe uh, I watched grand total of the of the semifinals about a quarter between the two games so maybe um i'm rooting for washington without seeing it like uh, that's just fixed that's for sure yeah i'm
1: rooting for washington too they're easy to root for
2: Uh, if i do it'll probably be the all 22 of the skycast on on the megacast it certainly won't be to hear the broadcast that's for sure
1: i uh have always i've said this before i've always really really liked that washington program um i've rooted for that washington program over the years uh i remember uh Don James and golly, go back to uh, my friend Rick Neuheisel (laughs) and others when he got in trouble. Uh, But they they they've had a rough go and a long stretch of time. But I like I've always liked that fan base. I love that stadium. I love those uniforms. They're regal. And Penix has been awesome when he's healthy. And I'd like to see it happen. Nobody's rooting for the cheaters at Michigan.
2: No, that's the other thing. Here is you know you don't want to get spun back into that old argument that we've documented and we're correct about. In a lot of the country's wrong. We're correct. But beyond the resume for a Michigan and a Washington that you could poke a lot of holes into as undefeated teams, may, as many as us, maybe more, more holes you could poke into their resume as undefeated, undefeated teams, nobody cares that Michigan cheated. Nobody cares. That is baffling to me that nobody cares that Jim Harbaugh cheated Accepted two different suspensions this year. But Jordan Travis leg, like, okay, I just, that's, that's fascinating to me that it's completely ignored.
1: Yeah. And I think it's a fine line because I think that most teams probably do more than what their fan bases would be comfortable if they were to find out in knowing, you know, like as far as advanced scouting and all that sort of stuff, but then there's the age old, you can tell by the reaction of certain coaches around the country that it was a classic case of going 120 in a seven, not in a 70, not
2: 90. The thieves are telling you that this one has no honor. Like That's the whole thing here. The last we heard of it, I feel like, from ESPN was Desmond Howard weirdly calling out Pete Thamel and kind of challenging him to some sort of combat. Yeah,
1: it was strange, yes. yeah.
2: But they haven't talked about it since then at all. Instead, it's been about a lot of other things, including what Florida State wasn't, which, you know, again, I'm not going to get lost down that rabbit hole. We all know that they are capable of beating these two teams in the Invitational tonight, but we'll
1: see. Uh will be something I do watch tonight, uh just because we're out of college football anymore. So that will be that will be that. Um I'm I'm really hoping that the next football related item that we're talking about on this show anyhow on Wednesday is that they get the kid uh from West Virginia at defensive end and that they get uh well, let's see if they can make a run at this linebacker out of Alabama. That would go a long way in soothing some of the very real concerns about personnel talent slash shortages at certain segment groups that would go a long way I think if Florida State could do that now it's a big if I think I agree yeah I mean I think they'll get I think they'll get the kid from West Virginia and if you are to get this linebacker then we're going to be feeling a little bit better about our situation heading into the offseason without question
2: yeah I was going to say that I agree generally speaking that if you could grab those two players it would calm the masses that are not calm right now. I think in general, personally, I'm looking at this as the long game. It's just that if there's any urgency, it's because spring ball has openings in a way that they did not have openings last year. So many of those positions last season in spring and fall, when you're talking about the top line of the two deep, were assured. You kind of knew who was going to be the player there, even for the transfers that came in, like Fentrell's not coming in to sit. Keon Coleman, who was a, a summer ad, was not coming in to sit. But a lot of these guys that arrived on campus, you kind of knew the picture. It's open. There's a lot of battles that are open. Like Marvin Jones Jr. is coming here to compete and make a mark and try to start. And I don't know that he's going to. But you know, it, it's not like Jared versus on one side of the football, and then you've got four or five defensive tackles that you know that, that are locked in. Across the board, there are openings. The receiver position now is going to be fascinating because of what this coaching staff has done You know, I just saw the Battles End announced in the last few minutes that Kentron has re-upped for another year.
1: Yeah, and Williamson has re-upped for another year. You saw that, right? And so – That is fascinating. It's a very deep position, and then you brought in all this speed, and I think they did need to get faster. I brought that up with Ira, and now you've got fierce competition at the position, which is great. You're trying to create fierce competition at every position. This is why it's galling that you don't have it at linebacker. What competition is there? You don't have guys who are of the requisite skill set to play and dominate, so you really only have a couple of options unless you do something about it moving forward.
2: Yeah, it's just that this this spring and into the summer, like every little detail of the tour of duty and the spring and the summer workouts, whatever whispers we can glean each part of the stage, it's open season, and that's what makes it fun. I think that's what's going to make this spring more fun to cover, is that there aren't guys that. All right, now you're looking at the the young players for the future for 24, 25. There's a lot of battles. There's a lot of stories that have yet to be written, and some. I mean, the other part of it is some guys are going to see what has come in in spring and say, I, I can't compete here. And they're going to leave, and there are going to be more openings that trickle out. But it's just when you're talking about making a statement to compete for a job, spring has a whole lot more of them open. And there's a lot of young players. We're getting some players like an Earl Little in the secondary. Florida State has a lot of young defensive backs. Like, wh- where does this all fit in? Greedy Vance came ventrell Is Fentrell is it coming back for another year? Where does he fit in? Like, there's, there's a whole lot to be sorted out here.
1: I want, you know, again, you want quality depth. None of those guys guys who you just named should feel like they're backups. Like, none of them should feel like they're backups. They should feel like it's their job and these other guys are coming in to compete with them and that they're going to hold them off. But in reality, you know, we all think that, for example, there's no way they brought in Earl Little Jr. to sit. I mean, he's, he's probably going to play, and he's going to play a big role. But I want any of the guys vying for that spot to say, hell no, ain't happening. You want that, but what you always worry about when you bring guys from the outside Although the college football landscape is changing so rapidly anymore, it's probably already reached a place where guys just can't afford to get upset about these things because this is just the norm anywhere you are. It's not just here, it's anywhere now. But the bottom line is like you have to take it as an affront and get down and dirty and compete. But you want a depth of talent competing, not, hey, we have two guys here, we have three guys over here, we got one guy here, God forbid he gets hurt. You know, you don't want that. You want to look around and go, I don't know. This is wide the hell open everywhere, Tom. I want it everywhere. Now, at some point, you want some sort of uh, solid foundation. Like, okay, are we good at quarterback? You know, they didn't bring in DJ to sit. But I do hope they let Brock compete. Like, he could win the job. And and I don't think you're paying DJ the kind of money where you have to play him.
2: Yeah. Uh, Well, DJ has also been the last two places that he's gone. They've had rotations, even if it was for a series a game at Oregon State. Michigan State's future quarterback that left with Jonathan Smith rotated in in Mm. conference games. With It was the third drive of the game, I think it was, most every single week. And DJ had to rotate in with Klubnik towards the end of Clemson. So he's kind of used to that. The other thing is if you're bringing in a ton of speed, and they are, it's not like Brock's arm is weak. He showed that in the Orange Bowl. He's he's got a a live Big arm. arm, yeah
1: yeah yeah, I, I said this before. I think they could have gone one of two ways. We know which way they chose. i I think our fan base would have been upset by this, but I would not have. other than a depth chart situation, meaning you needed another quarterback to be here. So maybe you would have just waited till the end of the spring and brought in a guy who wasn't going to compete for the job if you went the route that I'm about to describe. If you'd just gone, Brock Glenn is my starter because next year, I don't feel like you're playing for a championship. You might be playing for a conference championship, but I don't, I don't think you're playing to win the national championship yet. Maybe in two years that's the case, or three years, but I feel like but you do need to maintain and sustain excellence to a, to a certain degree, and that would be competing to win the ACC. But you're going to take some lumps. Any first-year starting quarterback is going to take some lumps. He's going to have that game that leaves you sort of uh, mesmerized. Like, how did that happen? How did my man have this three-interception game? Well, this is what happens. This is this is where you're taking your lumps. It happened to Jordan Travis, where you take lumps. You just got to learn on the job. You cannot replicate it in practice. But given how quickly we watched Brock Glenn take a big step forward from the Louisville game to the Georgia game. Now, again, statistically, you could say, what? But just watching the presence in the pocket, the ability to step up, how quickly he got the ball out of his hands. He had nothing to work with in that game. He threw a couple of really nice dimes. They couldn't block Georgia. They didn't have much of a running game. So I felt like there was real progress there. And if they had just decided to turn it over to him, I'd have been all right with it. I would have said, okay, let's see if the young kid can go 9-3 and three and now you got your guy for the foreseeable future and your red shirt and Cromanhawk Hawk and whatever. But they chose to go a different route, and I get that too. I'm perfectly fine with that. A veteran quarterback who's played a ton of football, who has real upside, and when he's good, he's really good. He's also a giant kid. So you got him for one year, I'd run the hell out of him. Uh, at 250 pounds, I mean, I'm not going to leave that off the table. He's going to run in short-yarded situations.
2: Yeah, I agree, and I see in the chat that uh, we've got people talking about the wide receiver room and the defensive back room. Like, truthfully speaking, when you're talking about day-to-day battles and those one-on-ones or the seven-on-sevens that they do, the defensive backs versus the receivers, there are so oh, many yeah, yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah. That, that's exactly what you're aspiring to. Is that this could go any which way when you're th- when you're trying to project out who are the starting three wide receivers at Florida State next year? If you if you try to do that right now. Impossible to answer. Like, probably Hakeem, probably Destin, but they've where are you gonna go from there? And are you sure that some of these other guys might not be able to compete right away? And then you're talking about the defensive back room. If you had to say the two most safe players in terms of snaps next year in that defensive back room, Shaheen Brown's one of them,
1: and Zarya Thomas is probably the other.
2: Ahead of Cyprus, right? I would that, say I would say would would ahead go? of
1: Cyprus, yeah. I, I okay, think well, I think Thomas is about to be a very, very, very good player.
2: Well, we saw what Conrad Hussey was in spurts. I know Edwin Joseph, before he got dinged up, looked very impressive. They've got a lot of other young players like Quindarius, as smooth as can be, KJ Kirkland, a lot of freshmen that they're bringing in that are early enrollees as well. These battles at that particular part of the field are going to be fierce every day. You've got to build that everywhere, though.
1: I will say, and I didn't get a chance to mention this earlier, I feel like Florida State is in a much better place than they were uh, heading into the bowl game, heading into the, the the Orange Bowl, I think there was some real uncertainty about what was going to happen with Daryl Jackson, Jackson and Joshua Farmer. I think there's far less uncertainty. I think they feel good about those guys coming back. So that changes the prospects of what you're going to have on the defensive line next year and the depth that you have there. So that 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 does make me breathe a sigh of relief, just a little bit. I mean, I, I think they you can't know with Joshua Farmer. Good lord. But it does feel better. And you've noticed Patrick Payton has flipped the script. He's come back now and been totally on board and all in and seems like there's a level of maturity that wasn't there before. So that's all good news.
2: What you're saying is a huge deal if it bears out. But even if they're singing Kumbaya in spring, I'm going to sweat bullets. Oh,
1: of course. Well, we'll do that for the from now until there are changes, period. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. Hey, good looking out, Tom. Talk to you later, brother. Director Matthew, great job as always. Peace out, everybody. Have a great evening. We'll talk to you tomorrow, probably recorded, given what's going on with the weather Me and the headlines, guys. Peace.